Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. back with another Blue Gold Report podcast being brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. I'm Mike Rags. Going to bring Todd Burlidge here uh, in a second. But uh, first off, we got to tell you what's going on on this edition of Blue Gold Report. We're going to have Mason uh, Plummer on later on in the show. Of course, he's our expert guru for recruiting. Uh, since we're coming off a romp, uh, we're not going to really break down the Bowling Green game too much. So we'll have a little extra time to talk about some recruiting classes coming in. And we'll break down the traditional USC game. It's a night game they are back in prime time and we'll get a chance to talk about that as uh, we welcome in the trojans to uh notre dame stadium let's bring him in right now it's our good buddy todd burlidge todd i know you want to have a little healthy debate too about the future of ian book and this program here too so we've got a lot of good things to get into this week as we bring in usc yeah, Bowling Green 52 nothing allows us to kind of bounce around a little bit this week, Rags. <laughs> you would think so. Uh, although it, it did get uh, look uh, make Ian Book look a little healthier out there and a little more promise, although again, uh, it's kind of FBS uh, material out there. But we'll, we'll break that down in a second, right? And uh, we always start with some blue gold nuggets. What do you got? I do. Uh, I have a three-pack here, Rags, and I'll start with the hoops. I always try to get the hoops out of the way. Uh, John Mooney, Notre Dame's forward, really gifted player, certainly the leading player coming back for Notre Dame. Uh, he was named a first-team preseason All-ACC selection. Uh, last year, he's finished eighth in the league in scoring at 14.1 points and led the league in rebounding at 12.6. Had 13 double-doubles, which also led the league. It was actually second all-time to Tim Duncan who set the record with 15, and that goes all the way back to 96-97. So it goes to show you just kind of what an impactful player John Mooney was last year. And I don't think any of us really saw it coming, to be honest with you. He kind of came out of nowhere. On the women's side, I read something that I thought was kind of interesting. With everybody gone, the entire page turn on this team, they return rags only 253 total points from last year's team. 253, and uh, Michaela Vaughn has half of those. She has 125 of those. So when it comes time, Rags, let's you and I do a debate on who's going to have a better season this year, the men or the women for the Irish. Uh, So I thought that was sort of interesting. Um, Let's see here. This is the first time in the history of Notre Dame football, which really surprised me, actually, that the Irish will play USC and Michigan in back-to-back games. Uh, You would have thought that would have accidentally happened at some point along the way. Notre Dame has played both these two teams in the same season 33 times. They've only won both of these games seven times, and six of those Notre Dame remained in the national championship conversation up until the last, at least the last weekend of the regular season. So it's kind of a good measuring stick for Notre Dame. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know. Do you think Notre Dame can win both of these? Uh, <laughs> that sum it up? Yeah, I think they could win. Let's do both. Yes, they can. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, but I, <laughs> I'm not really selling that too well, but well, I'm going to go yes. Once I read that, because I, I, I've been all along saying, oh, yeah, no problem. USC's not that good and Notre Dame, or I'm sorry, Michigan's down a little bit. But after I read that stat, they've only beat them seven times I in know. the same season. That kind of took me back a little bit too, Rags. 
Well, the big, the, the big house scares me. That's really why, yeah. you know, that's what it does. But, uh, yeah. But two contrasting styles, too. We're going to talk about USC's great passing game, and then, obviously, Michigan struggles offensively but has the terrific defense. So it's going to really test Notre Dame in, in various ways here over the next two games. At least they have that bye week sandwiched in between. Um, on the injury front, obviously, Sean Crawford is out, uh, although he did get some good news. If you saw that gruesome dislocated elbow Injury. Wow, that did not look like that felt too good. Um, but he's good. it sounds like he's going to be back for that Michigan game now. So that was a little bit quicker than I think they uh, were expecting. This guy can't catch a break. 2015 ACL, 2016 Achilles, 2018 ACL, and now his elbow. Uh, Tariq Bracey did a nice job filling in for him. Actually, I would have given Tariq Bracey probably my defensive player of the game against Bowling Green. And more good news on the injury front. Uh, junior running back, the starting tailback uh, uh, for, for the Louis opening game, Jafar Armstrong. He'll be back. Brian Kelly said, you know, we're not going to just throw him in there for 30 carries. But he thought if he could get 20 plays out of him, that would be pretty good. So that's good news for Notre Dame on the running game front, which has really struggled at times this year. And those are your blue gold nuggets. Yeah, and I've got a bonus blue gold nugget. You knew I would, Sweet. Todd. Uh, and it's uh, of the uh, concert variety. Um, a big announcement this week, and I'm, I'm sure you heard it. Uh, Billy Joel live in concert at Notre Dame Stadium on June the 20th. That is, I mean, it doesn't get bigger than that, uh, Todd. Uh, coming off the heels of the big Garth Brooks show from last year, Billy Joel will be in concert uh, June 20th. Tickets go on sale to American, American Express customers all next week, but to the general public on Friday. And a matter of fact, Todd, since we are on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM, they are giving away tickets this weekend uh, for this Billy Joel show. If you text Joel to 46862, J-O-E-L to 46862, you got a shot at winning some tickets. So uh, now if you're listening on podcasts and it's a week from now or during next week, I apologize. And you could try it. Yeah. <laughs> Probably won't work, but you could try it. So if you're listening live or if you're listening to it, um, you know, this weekend, this podcast, text Joel to 46862. Uh, clearly one of my favorite artists of all time, Todd. And, uh, and the question is, will he record this and uh, have to sing songs over and over again like Garth had to do? Uh, and we know the one thing, the weather should be better than it was for Garth. I think his was in October of last year. This yeah. one's going to be in June. So we should be in good shape. Yeah, for sure. I know I did a story on just the kind of the logistics that go into putting on the various events at the stadium, you know, be it the hockey, the soccer, and obviously Garth Brooks. And, and one of the comments that uh, somebody I interviewed said, yeah, in a span of about six hours, we had all four seasons from that day. The Garth Brooks, I, I thought that was true. It went from uh, when, the, when everything started, it was like 70 degrees and sunny, and by the time it was over, it was snowing, so... Uh, yeah, that was something else. That's That was a memorable part of that concert. All right. Uh, let's get on to, uh, well, we'll talk Bowling Green real quick, quick quick as it refers, I guess, to Ian Book. And remember, Mason Plummer going to join us later on in the show. I mean, it's hard to learn anything from this game. The yeah. one thing I did, uh, Todd, uh, I was able to use uh, my DraftKings uh, app and uh, bet the under on this. It was like 62 and a half, and I didn't think they'd win 62 to nothing, but boy, they came pretty darn close to it, so I sweated it out a little bit. By the way, you can bet in Indiana now. So uh, anyway, uh, not that we have an endorsement for that, but uh, so what we learn other than that you could have won some money if you bet the under? <laughs> <laughs> really not a whole heck of a lot that Brian Van Gorder's defense is really bad, but uh, in all honesty, I thought Bowling Green moved the ball a little bit better than I was expecting them to, um, in all honesty, but... 
I guess what jumped out at me, Ian Book, he became the first quarterback in Notre Dame history to throw five touchdown passes in a half, um, piled on 261 yards on, what was it, 16 of 20 passing, had a 272.12 passer rating, which is darn near perfect, I'm thinking. You know, but kind of got me to thinking, you know, wow, here's Ian Book, great, beating up on poor little Bowling Green in the same way he beat up on New Mexico. Hmm. And we talked about it a little bit last week, so I thought I'd do some research, and I, I was... Uh, I was surprised with what I found. Okay, so in the last six games, and that takes you back the five starts this year, and then going back to the playoff game against Clemson last year, those are those are Ian Book's last six starts. Okay, among those six teams, really the three have-nots are Louisville, New Mexico, and Bowling Green, while the three haves are Clemson, Georgia, and Virginia. Okay, well, Book against Louisville, New Mexico, and Bowling Green, which have a combined record of 6-9, and nine, he's completing 67% of his passes, has an average uh, passing yard of 271 per game, 11 touchdowns, and no interceptions. Very impressive stuff, right, Rags? Yeah. Okay, so let's move on then to Clemson, Georgia, and Virginia, a combined record of 14-1 and one for those three teams. Okay, the completion drops for Ian Book from 67% to 59%. The average yards passing per game drops from 271 to an even 200, and he has two total touchdowns and three interceptions against those three elite defenses. And there's just kind of a general, you know, when you watch him play against these elite teams, he's bailing out too quick. He's not looking downfield. He plays with all the poise in the world when it's Bowling Green. Sure. But when when he has this elite competition, it, it, it kind of goes away. And, and I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting when you look at the statistical comparison between the haves and the have-nots. And it makes you wonder if Ian Book is up to the challenge of winning the big games uh, in the future here. And not only that, but playing from behind. Uh, it's easy to put up these numbers while you're playing ahead and the defense is performing like they are. I want to see point. him uh, perform when they're down six with two minutes to go. Yeah. When, you know, When they're down ten in the first half, that kind of stuff. Again, once that adversity has hit Ian Book, and that's when he's kind of faltered. So not only just great defenses, but when the team needs him to put him on his back and say, hey, we're behind, get us ahead, I want to see that happen as well. Yeah, and Georgia was one of those opportunities, and it didn't happen. Um, Rags, the debate that I sort of threw up on blueandgold.com um, was I did a story on basically talking about what, what I just laid out for you, the statistics, and I threw it out there. Ian Book could come back next year for a fifth year. His draft projections aren't very good. Some A lot of places say he's not even going to get drafted if he leaves after this season. But my question to you is, do you want him back? Are you ready to have him as a, as a starter for a third year next season? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, a Jerkovic, I mean, what's the alternative? I get Unless we know what the alternative is, I would say yes, but uh, I, I would be a hesitant yes, as you could tell in my voice. I need sure. to know more about who's replacing him, and I don't know if we're going to learn that this year. Yeah, it, really. I mean, you're right. Jacobic, he's he looked pretty good against Bowling Green. Uh, he did some nice yep. things there, yep. and I think he's coming along uh, for sure. But sometimes I think you, I feel like you just have to turn the page because I just – We've seen Ian Book, and I think Ian Book is at his ceiling. You know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, just think what another year would do for him. I I don't know that it would do much. I I, I firmly believe that what you've seen in the past and up to this point would be what you would see again next year. Is that good enough? I don't know. I Mm. guess that's the debate right there. I personally think that uh, Djokovic has 
a bigger upside, and that's why I think it might be time to turn the page. That's where that's where I stand on it, anyways. I don't think there'll be any love loss if he does uh, if they do part ways. I don't think people. I don't think there'll be people hanging out signs saying "Bring him back." So uh, unless he goes on this amazing run. He's still time to impress, especially with these upcoming sure. games, and and who knows what can happen at the end of the year. So there, there's still time. I mean, but as of right now, I'd probably lean towards uh, if he goes away, we'll be okay. Um, Wait, you know, Rags, real quick, I want to slide this in. I, I think, I think we'll know really where he stands and, and have better feel for this after these next two games, yeah. USC and Michigan, yep. especially the one at Michigan, because the November schedule is not very good at all, and, and uh, USC and Michigan will take us to November. So this is these next two games, I think, will tell us a lot about where Ian Book is as a quarterback and, and if indeed he should come back. Uh, no doubt about it. Let's talk about the first of the next two games, uh, high hopes and a ranking early on for USC, and then they lose their quarterback for the entire season, but there is plenty of offensive weapons here, including and 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 mostly at the wide receiver. Yeah, that's where they get their work done for sure. Some really good wide receivers, and uh, it's going to be a freshman quarterback, Keaton Slovis. He can spread it around quite a bit, too. Yeah, you mentioned uh, sophomore JT Daniels hurt his, uh, tore his ACL in the first game, and he's already done for the year, so that's a shame. He was a Heisman hopeful coming into this year, so that was a big hit for the Trojans. But yeah, as far as this passing game, the wide receivers are led by Michael Pittman Jr. This guy's a stud. Already 35 receptions, 501 yards, four TDs. There's not a huge drop-off to the next guy, though. Tyler Vaughns, 31 receptions, 414 yards, and two TDs. And then why not? Why not have a third in there? Amon Ra, St. Brown, 24 receptions, 238 yards, and two TDs. That's a pretty good three-pack of wide receivers rags. And when you're taking Sean Crawford out of the year, it, it's that, that defensive backfield is thinned a little bit for Notre Dame. That's going to be something to watch to see if they can slow this passing game when they're down a few bodies. No doubt about it, uh, Todd. And uh, again, we want to see offensive and defensive line step up in a big game. So, you know, we, we put it all on Ian, but there's been times where the defensive and offensive line is, have you know, kind of disappeared in big game moments as well, Todd. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they're starting to really gradually improve, improve steadily improve. So that's good news for sure. You know, I, this to me growing up, you know, I'm 52 years old. Yep. This rivalry, I could not wait to watch this game every year back in the day. And, and I think it's lost a little something. We did ask Brian Kelly if, it, if he feels like this rivalry still holds the clout that it once did. And here's what he had to say. Of the tradition, the going way back, you know, obviously this game, um, you know, being played uh, for so many years as a uh, intersexual rivalry, you know, they're not up the street, you know, they're across the country, um, great players that have played in it, great coaches that have coached in it, um, nationally televised, um, and and so I th- I just think the the history the tradition being played every year it's one of those rivalries that hasn't gone away, um, and and it's uh, it's part of college football. Uh, you know it's interesting, Todd. If the Bush push never happened, right. I think the rivalry would even be more. Uh, I mean, less uh, have that uh, buzz because because that event. Happen to give it a boost again and, and get it back into the public domain. Uh, if that didn't happen, 
You're right. I think it would have faded a little bit more. And I think just the status of both programs, especially USC right, right. now, it, it, it kind of takes a little bit of the buzz away from it. Well, yeah, I mean, USC comes in unranked. That's the second time in a row that Notre Dame and USC will or USC will be unranked when it plays Notre Dame. Um, so that, that takes some of the luster away. Just to give you an example, you mentioned the Bush Push game. That was in 05. Well, in 06, both these teams were ranked. That's the last time uh, that they played together. As uh, I'm sorry. Uh, They're both ranked. That's when, when, yeah. when they were top 10 teams is right. what I'm getting Oh, at. I got you. Okay. In, in the last 13 meetings... Only one time were both even ranked, Rags, and that was in 2017. Neither was a top-10 team at that point. So you can see it's been a little bit one-sided, and when both these teams aren't ranked, it, it takes something away. Let me give you just kind of some some comparison here. In the 16 meetings, and I know this has gone back a ways, but in the 16 meetings between 1965 and 1980, and that's kind of what I was talking about when I when I think of this rivalry, in those 16 years, both teams were ranked 14 times. And nine times, both were in the top ten. Now, that, to me, is a rivalry, not when you only had both teams ranked one time in the last 13 meetings. And every time we would talk to Tim Brown, this would be the one game that that this is the rivalry game. I know there's a lot of people who feel there are four or five rivalry games for Notre Dame, but you talk to Tim Brown or anybody from that era, uh, USC was always the one uh, in the check mark, uh, having the check mark next to it. The great players, Rags. You know, I mean, we were, you're talking about the Lou Holtz era there, moving through, and and just all the great players for USC as well. So you can certainly see why that is. All right, let's bring him in right now. He's a good friend of the show, Mason Plummer, who you can find on on Twitter at Mason Plummer Six. He uh, writes for Slap the Sign, SlapTheSign.com, and Bleacher Report. He's been featured there, and uh, he's been featured on our show a couple times. To all right, uh, you know, we figured since it was a Bowling Green romp, let's talk about some recruiting. Mason, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Todd, why don't you take over here and uh, see what Mason has to say about some of these recruits coming in? Sure thing. Mason, uh, I, this is the marquee recruiting weekend of the football season here up here at Notre Dame. A lot of guys in. I'm going to have you kind of highlight some of them. But a guy I want to start off with, uh, the, the, uh, the Ohio State kid. Uh, looking to find a place to take his grad transfer year, Isaiah Pryor. Uh, he's a safety. What what can you tell us about him, and uh, might he end up at Notre Dame? Yeah, so Isaiah Pryor is a stud. Uh, coming out of high school, um, it was between Ohio State and Notre Dame, finishing his recruitment, and um, he ended up going to Ohio State. Hasn't earned any playing time. Um, Ohio State recruits the secondary very well, as Notre Dame does not. But if Nerdin can get a second chance on this guy, they're going to take it, and it looks like they're going to. Um, Pryor is visiting this weekend. Um, it's all happening really quickly for Pryor. You know, he announced that he wanted to transfer, and then Nerdin hopped on it quickly. You got to believe that Terry Joseph was talking to him behind the scenes, um, just trying to feeling him out and seeing exactly what he wanted to do. Um, like I said, he had Nerdin very high on his list, but ended up choosing Ohio State. But uh, yeah, visiting this Saturday against uh, USC. And hopefully Notre Dame can pull off a big win and kind of sway him, and maybe we'll even see a commitment this uh, this Saturday. It's very possible for Pryor. Yeah, is that a situation now? Is he grad transfer Mason? What's his status? How long has he been at Ohio State? So he's a current junior, but okay. he he would be eligible to play next fall. Okay, okay, that's what I thought. I thought it was a little bit a uh, little bit unique in his situation. Juno, do you remember? Did he make a visit here during the recruitment? 
He did, yeah. It, it, like I said, it ended up being between Notre Dame and Ohio State, so he ended up choosing Ohio State, but hasn't gone so well for him. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, let's move on to some of the guys, the high school kids that are going to be up here. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of 2020 guys that are already committed trying to lure some of these younger kids in here, the 2021s. Just kind of highlight some of the guys that uh, we, we need to keep an eye on as far as recruiting concerns this weekend. Yeah, so essentially all the big names that uh, I've talked about the other times I've been on the shows, um, you have running back Chris Tyree will be here. You have uh, line, offensive lineman Tosh Baker um, and Drew Pine as well. Those are the top three that you've been seeing. Uh, if you if you're on Notre Dame Twitter and stuff like that, those are the three guys that have been really pushing for other guys to uh, to come visit and uh, to commit to Notre Dame. They they're really active on Twitter and trying to recruit other guys to join the 2020 class, which has already been unreal an unreal haul for Notre Dame. You've also got the number one and number two tight ends in the 2020 class. Michael Mayer and Kevin Bauman will be there, as well as Riley Mills, Michael Carmody, uh, Xavier Watts. Also. A key, uh, a key guy that's not coming is Jordan Johnson, the five-star receiver. It's his high school's homecoming, so he okay. will not be in attendance, which is a little bit of a disappointment because that would have been all the real studs from the 2020 class. But, yeah, Jordan Johnson will not be there. Now, are, is, are there a lot of targets in town as well, guys that are uncommitted still? Prior being the highest one, but also a five-star running back, um, Will Shipley, the number one uh, dual threat running back. Um, he, he's pretty much a do-it-all guy, just like Chris Tyree. Um, yeah, Will Shipley and uh, let's see, Lorenzo Styles as well. He's a he's a wide receiver who he, Notre Dame is in the clear lead for him right now. You could that's another guy at, like Pryor that you could see commit this weekend. Um, Rocco Spindler. That's an he's a uh, four-star offensive tackle from Michigan. It seems to be just between Michigan and Notre Dame at this point. And then uh, a couple other guys, Garrett Dellinger, Deion Colsey, and Najee Story. Um, some lesser-known guys, but guys that you'll hear definitely hear more about coming up soon. Gotcha. And so when you're talking about these uncommitted guys, how much influence can the guys, you talked about the star-studded cast of already committed Notre Dame guys, how much can they help to lure these uncommitted guys to Notre Dame? Well, you'd think that they they do a great job because they already have been around the program. They kind of know what it's like, given they're not enrolled at Notre Dame yet. But they, they've they taken their visits. They're committed now, and and they want to make Notre Dame a championship contender, even more so than they are already. And uh, great players like to play with great players. So ideally, you'd like to see Chris Tyree talking to Will Shipley. They're the same kind of back. And, uh, you know, they want to compete with each other. And um, sure. Tyree and Shipley have talked in the past, and um, – Shipley, has, just like Tyree did, has offers from everybody you can imagine. But um, to lure a guy like Shipley away from Clemson, Alabama, teams like that, and have him come up north where it's cold to be a running back like Tyree, it's going to be difficult. But um, I think it's possible. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit here. I did a story for blueandgold.com, and I sort of threw it out there. And you've watched the games, obviously. Ian Book could come back for a fifth year next year, I and mean, that would make him a three-year starter more than likely. Not not guaranteed, I guess, but uh, certainly he would be the front runner for for that position. Do you want Ian Book back? If you had the choice to move on, move forward now without Ian Book after seeing what you've seen, or would you want him back to start again? I think I'm. I would say I'm about sixty forty that I would want him back. There's pros and cons to both, but I think it would be better. To have him back, I did like what I saw from Phil Jerkovic, uh Saturday. I was in attendance for uh, Notre Dame Bowling Green. He played well, but uh, I think having consistency at the quarterback position is key. Um, you've seen that with 
you know, the, the big teams like to keep their quarterbacks. You know, um, Clemson's going to have three years of Trevor Lawrence. Georgia's going into their fourth year of, uh, or they're in their fourth year of Jake Fromm. And, uh, not, I think Ian Book isn't quite on that level, but just the tier below. And, uh, if he can continue to improve in a Notre Dame uniform, I think a third year could be key for him. And to be honest, I don't think he's ready for the NFL, much like a Deshaun Kaiser situation. So I think it'd be better for him to stay. Yeah, probably so. The draft projections have him only as like a fourth or fifth round. So a lot of draft projections don't even have him getting picked. So, yeah, you're right. That's Mason Plummer. Mason, thanks for your insight. You can find him, slapthesign.com, or on Twitter at MasonPlummer6, the numeral 6. Mason, appreciate your time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, Mason, I got one more quick question before you go. Can I ask you real quick? Yeah, absolutely. What's the latest on Marvin Harrison Jr.? I know they sent the scholarship offer out to him. We hear any, I know he's got a lot of offers out there, but I thought maybe for our Indiana fans here, we might get a little nugget from you. Yeah, um, there, the scholarship offer was sent. You haven't heard a lot from him since. Um, he, he talks about Notre Dame occasionally, but like like you said, he uh, he does have a lot of offers, and I don't, I don't think he wants to show his cards. He's kind of one of those guys that enjoys the recruitment. And, uh, you know, with his dad being as high caliber, as high caliber of a receiver as he was, um, you, you can't blame him. Uh, it looks like Ohio State's in the lead at the moment. It's, they're going to be hard to beat with how well they recruit the wide receiver position and how they turn wide receivers into pros. So uh, I would say Notre Dame's in the mix, but Ohio State's definitely in the lead. All right, Mason. Thanks a lot. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, I wanted to throw in a little nugget about Marvin Harrison Jr. there because uh, I've got my eyes on it. That would be a great storyline, although yeah. uh, I don't know. It might be a long shot at this point in time. Todd, uh, prime time, 7.30, NBC, and on uh, actually it's on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 this weekend uh, in Fort Wayne if you want to listen to it. Uh, what are we What are we looking at here? I mean, I know one good thing for Notre Dame, their running backs are going to be healthier now, and I think that might carry them along the way. I kind of like them in a tight game here, um, and if it comes down to field goal making, both teams got really good kickers. So I like the Irish uh, 31-29. Yeah, Brian Kelly's done a good job in this series, really. Um, I think it's 5 of 7. Something like that. No, it'd be more than that, I guess. It's six of nine is what it is. This would be his tenth meeting here. Um, so he's done a good job in this series. I know he's won a couple straight. I like Notre Dame here too. Um, you know, I like. We didn't learn a lot against Bowling Green, uh, but it had been sixty-six games rags since Notre Dame pitched a shutout. So that was kind of a little, a little. Hmm. That was end a little bonus nugget, nugget there. Yeah, a little, little end of the show nugget there. We got nuggets uh, flying all over the place. <laughs> I, I like ND 30, USC 24, and what I think will be a pretty good ball game. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. And remember, if you are listening on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM, the judge is coming up next with Fighting Irish Preview to break it down a little bit more. Uh, I'm at Rags 92.3. He's at Todd Burlidge. Uh, and we'll be back again next week to break down this game and some uh, upcoming schedule games. I think we have a bye week after this week, right? So uh, we'll, yeah. we'll have to uh, invent something else to talk about. Um, for for that week, I'm sure there, do, there's always something, right? Uh, yeah. Todd Burlidge and uh, Mike Rags, the Blue Gold Report, brought to you by uh, Dio McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. Todd, we'll do it again next week. All right, thanks, Rags. This has been a presentation of Opt In Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. 
podcast by Federated Media. Mm-hmm.